So you guys are about to listen to this episode with Tiffany, who outlines her long fertility journey. Oh my gosh, you guys, she has, she has really put in a lot of effort here and then finally heard a heartbeat, which was just amazing. And you can probably guess how it unfortunately ends. Um, after graduating from that fertility clinic, 10 days later, she heard that terrible sentence that we've all heard. I'm sorry. There's no heartbeat. It's just so shitty. Um, She took a break from her camping trip to share her story with us, and it did disconnect partway through, so when you hear that, um, just keep listening. Uh, We still made it work. Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage Podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. I need your help. Let's take this community to the next level. Here's what you can do. Number one, if you like this podcast, please hit pause and take a few seconds to rate it on iTunes. Number two, donate through our website, managingmiscarriage.com. Number three, share your story. Go to calendly.com slash Melissa Whitman to schedule a time to chat with me. Or number four, join our Patreon page for over 30 more episodes you can't find anywhere else as well as exclusive content. Patreon.com slash miscarriage. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash miscarriage. All the details are linked in the show notes. Enjoy the episode and thanks for tuning in. So today, Tiffany is going to tell us about her recent miscarriage at 10 weeks and also this long journey that she's been on with IVF. So Tiffany, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. So this has been a journey for you, two and a half years of infertility treatment? Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, We've been through, we went through three rounds of um, Clomid, three rounds of the IUI, which is the artificial insemination, and then three rounds of IVF. Oh my gosh. So why don't you just at least give us a brief overview of what it looked like before you started all of this treatment? Um, as far as like so, my husband and everything or like yeah uh, just how was your obviously there was the stress of infertility going on right. and then you know it kind of led you to choose to do the IVF because a lot of the listeners are in that same boat so my husband and I um we have been together for five years before we got married um uh, we've been together a total of um eight years married for three and the whole time we were together, not the whole time, but maybe a year or so into it, um, you know, I stopped my birth control and I knew this was the man I was going to be with. And we were, we were in that, what do they call it? The trying, but not trying where, you know, if it happens, great. If not, okay. Before Um, you start stressing about it. Right. Right. (laughs) So eight years go by and, you know, nothing, um, not even a glimpse of, maybe a pregnancy. Um, my mom had infertility issues and my sister did as well. And so I just had this gut feeling that, you know, I'm, I'm going to have issues. 
So I didn't wait too long. Um, about two months after we got married, I went ahead and made um, our first appointment with the fertility clinic um, because I just had had a had a feeling I was going to have a hard time considering I never even had a scare. So, or like not scare, but um, you know that that when you're late on your period, you know, oh, what oh yeah, kind of feeling. You know, I I never had that. So okay. So we went ahead and jumped right in, um, and it was difficult bringing the subject up to my husband because um, he he wants kids, but the whole science thing, um, I don't know. He, he had a hard time getting on board with that, which, I mean, I did as well. IVF was the last, last thing we ever wanted to do. Uh, we were hoping, you know, one of the other solutions would work. Um, but they didn't. So, you know, that was our only option. So we moved forward with IVF. Um, and in this time, you said you went through three rounds of Clomid, three rounds of IUI, and then IVF. So you are giving all of this uh, a big shot. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. So you decided to do the IVF. Yes, we did our first um, our first round of IVF. Um, it was, I guess, about a year and a half ago, and we did a fresh transfer. So basically, they retrieve your eggs and they do a fresh transfer five days later, um, so the embryo is never frozen. And we were told that the odds of it taking were very low with it being a fresh transfer, um, so it didn't take at all. Um, and so then the second um, round of IVF we did last December, so really only six months ago, not that long ago. Uh, jumped back into it pretty quickly, and then I miscarried. Uh, well, the embryo took. Uh, my first beta came back positive, um, but it was very low. And so they told us to have cautious optimism because the HCG level was so low. Um, and this was on Christmas Eve, by the way, that we <laughs> were told this. Oh, my gosh. Because, um, you know, with IVF, you don't get to – everything's so regimented. You know, you don't you don't get to – you don't have an option as to when, you know, you have to call the line and find out what you do next and all of that added stress. But Christmas Eve, we find out it's positive, but, you know, it's low. So two weeks later um, or a week later, I went, to, went back in for another HCG and it was even lower. And so they said, you know, it didn't take. So so that was the first miscarriage. I mean, it was only two weeks in, um, but, you know, it did implant and was trying to do something so after that one we felt encouraged you know this is the furthest we'd have ever gotten um, we did genetic testing on our remaining embryos um, we had uh, eight embryos total um, but after the genetic testing we only ended up with uh, two healthy ones so that was a little discouraging oh yeah um, <laughs> um, so uh, we Jumped back in pretty quickly in March, started the third round of IVF, and um, I was I did my transfer in April, and I it took I the embryo implanted. Um, I had great HCG levels. Uh, everything was going great. Um, we heard we heard the heart. I mean, and we were just. I couldn't believe it. I just kept taking pregnancy tests because I'm like, this 
this i just i didn't feel pregnant. this really happening right right i mean because of the hormone shots i mean i've always had sore boobs and so you know i just oh didn't, interesting right so i didn't i didn't feel any different because th- all those hormones make you already make you feel like you're pregnant and i've been on them for so long um so i kept taking pregnancy tests and and like this can't be happening um but we heard the heartbeat at six weeks and that was on may 3rd um so when we uh heard the heartbeat we were told um we were in the 95 percent of success like 95 percent success rate at that point once you're the heartbeat you're 95 percent there's only five percent chance of miscarriage from this point on we didn't really, really even really talk about the chances of miscarriage my fertility doctor was just so optimistic and hopeful and she said the baby looked great everything looked great two weeks later I went back um, had my last appointment with the fertility clinic um, so is this at how many weeks then um, so that would have been eight weeks eight weeks okay eight weeks and this was on May 10th um, and it was actually my husband's birthday and um, we were just we were just on cloud nine. Oh, oh my gosh. Just, you know, like, wow, oh. this is really happening. Like, finally, I can't believe, yes, like, I cannot believe this is happening. Graduated from the clinic. Um, just like they said, you know, you're good. Go find an OB, um, an OBGYN. So we um, went out west. We had a trip planned out west um, to go to a couple national parks. And it was a 10 day trip. So this, I, I had the last ultrasound on May 24th with the clinic. And then um, we left for our trip like that night. So um, I was nine weeks at that point. And they, we were just on cloud nine the whole trip. I already had a baby bump, and I, which I know was early, so I don't know if I just I don't know. I was embracing that and just again still taking pregnancy tests on the trip, like just not believing that this was really happening. I never had any morning sickness. I never had any symptoms. I just felt amazing. And so we go on our trip, and the day after we get back. I have my first appointment with uh, my OBG, OBGYN, who I'd never met before. This was my first first appointment with her. Um, had been referred to her by a couple of friends, and I heard she was great, so I made my first appointment. And we go in uh, for the ultrasound. They scheduled my ultrasound uh, through like a different radiology group. It wasn't with um, the office because they wanted to get me in quickly since I was already at 10 weeks um, and uh, because of the, all of the infertility and uh, issues, they wanted to go ahead and get me in. So I went to a separate like outpatient place for my ultrasound and I immediately suspected something was wrong um, when the ultrasound tech pulled the screen close to her and she wouldn't let us see it oh no um whereas you know all the other times at the clinic you know they showed it to us like oh there she is moving and um we already knew it was a girl because of the testing (laughs) and so she pulled the screen closer and she wouldn't say anything she like nothing she just i just kept saying you know is everything okay 
And she said, your doctor will go over your your ultrasound with you. I mean, that that's, I mean, just poker face would not give me anything. And me being an emergency, uh, me being a nurse, um, I, I only say that to my patients when it's bad news. Oh, for sure. Um, when you're like, okay, like, I, I legally cannot tell you anything. Right. Oh, no. Um, so you knew so something was up. I had a very high suspicion. Just again, oh. being a nurse, like I, I only tell my patients that when something's wrong. Um, otherwise, I'll be like, oh, everything's great. Like your test came back great. So then we go upstairs to my OB office. We sit there for an hour waiting. And the whole time I'm just like fidgety. I can't sit still. I just, I just feel, I just feel like something's wrong. So we get called back and the second she walks in, um, she walks in and says, so have they told you and then cut off her sentence and saw our faces and knew that we didn't know. And I could tell with her demeanor as soon as she walked in um, that she just, you know, she wasn't all joyful when she walked into the room. She just walked in and said, so have they told you and then cut her sentence off, realized we didn't know. And then I just looked at her and I, I kept saying, no, no, like I feel fine. No no like this no i just kept saying no and she said there is no heartbeat and it's just amazing to me how quickly your world can just be turned upside down yeah um, i mean especially on you know having been on this journey for so long and 10 weeks of just not believing you know just having a hard time realizing that this is really happening and then finally embracing it when we graduated from the fertility clinic to 10 days later that <laughs> um it, i just i started wailing i i i know everyone in the office heard me but i just so take us back <sighs> you're sitting there you hear i'm sorry there's no heartbeat, the worst sentence that just completely collapses your world, and you were just beside yourself. Yes. The first, the loneliness and the emptiness set in immediately, immediately. I mean, obviously, I was in shock, but I just instantly felt this emptiness inside of me like like there was another presence and now you're just alone right right yeah and I mean I had even said to my husband on our trip you know we had split up and he wanted to go look at something and you know I went off a different direction and I had even said to him like I don't feel alone ever now like I have this this life inside of me and for that to just be ripped away from you in a second with one sentence is just absolutely devastating. And I just kept saying, no, no, this because I felt fine. I had no symptoms. I wasn't bleeding. I wasn't cramping. I felt I, there was just nothing to tell me that anything was wrong. And that's why I was just in such shock. Um, and then I found out later the reason I didn't have any symptoms was because I was still 
taking the progesterone um, and uh, progesterone shots in my hip muscle every night. So that kept her viable. Keeps it going. Yeah. Yep. Keeps your body from responding. Right. Oh. So I just, I, I just cannot explain how overwhelming the loneliness and the emptiness just immediately set in. Um, my husband left to go get the car and my OB doctor was amazing. Again, I had, this was my first meeting with her and she has to tell me this news. Um, and you know, we didn't have any kind of relationship or rapport, but she sat with me while my husband went to go get the car. She walked me out the back entrance so I didn't have to go through the front lobby with all the pregnant women sitting there. Oh, what a she, sweetheart. Oh, she was so amazing. She sat outside with me on the bench, you know, until my husband pulled the car around. But I, I just, I just remember sitting on that bench with her and her holding my hand. And I just kept saying no. And then why? Um, those were really the only two words I could say. Um, I was just in such shock and it's, oh, it's just such a lonely experience. It's like, unless you've been through it, like I just, I, it's hard to explain to people, you know, like. I remember, this- yeah, I remember just feeling like I honestly cannot comprehend how the world is still spinning. Like, how is the world still going on? Like, how is that person across the street just walking as though it's a normal day? Like, I I could not comprehend that. And that is why that's actually what started um, me isolating myself. I, I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't go out in public because... You know, everyone's just going about their lives. And not only that, but I'll see, you know, these happy families and babies and strollers. And I, I just couldn't handle it. I I couldn't leave the house. Um, it was, which, of course, made it even more, even lonelier um, than I already felt. Um, but, you know, what do you, what do, you do when... You're so lost and just feel so empty and and so much pain. You just you don't know what direction to go to. <laughs> now, I mean, you just went through this, right? Like three four, weeks ago. Three weeks ago, four weeks uh, ago. Well, yeah, June fifth. Um, so going on four weeks. Oh yeah, I mean, you are still deep in it. <sighs> yes. Which is probably not what you want to hear, but it's okay. It is okay. So then what? Your husband comes around, you guys get in the car, you know, did she give you options while you were sitting there? Did you know what was going to happen? Yes. Um, Well, first she said, you know, I know this is overwhelming. She gave us a little while or she gave me some time to just cry and wail. Um, And then she came back a little while later. I have no idea how long it was, but uh, I just remember I just kept rocking back and forth on the table and my husband's crying with me and holding me and trying to console me. 
and I just keep rocking and, you know, like in disbelief and she comes back in and tells me my options. But first she says, you know, it, you're overwhelmed right now. We, we can talk about options later over the phone if you'd like to. And I said, no, tell me now, because I, I already knew that I wanted the DNC before I even knew what my options were Okay. because I could not handle any second longer than I had to knowing that she was in there yeah. and not alive. I could not handle that. Um, I, I wanted her out of there as fast as I could because the thought of, you know, knowing that, or thinking that you have this life growing inside of you and imagining all of the great, wonderful things that you're going to do, um, with her to knowing that she's, she's, she's dead in there. Like, and there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing. Uh, it's, it's, <sighs> there aren't words to describe that feeling. No. Um, so they, I, I knew right away, I said, I do, I, I cannot wait a week for the pill. I don't want to go through that. Um, in my bathroom, I, I don't want to wait that long. Like, just please get her out of there as soon as you can, because I, that was really hard for me. Um, I don't know if any, if like other women have experienced that, but just knowing she was in there and there was no heartbeat and I, I, I just needed her out of there. Um, for some reason that was just a big, big thing for me. Sure. Um, so luckily like my husband drove me home and the rest of that day is a little foggy. Um, actually the next few days are a little foggy. He put me in bed um, and he was amazing. He set up, they got, they were able to get me in two days later because this was on okay. a Wednesday. So they were able to get me in on a Friday, Friday morning. Um, but I just, I had, I just wanted to sleep. I just didn't want to think about the fact that, you know, there was life and now there's not, and it's still in there, you know? So Friday morning, I mean, he set up all the appointments. He arranged it to where I could do all of like the pre-op questions over the phone. So I didn't have to go in. Uh, he took care of telling everyone because my only relief at that point was sleep <laughs> because I just didn't have to think about it, you know? So Friday morning comes and I, I was, I was a mess. They had to give me um, an anti-anxiety medicine beforehand because I was just hyperventilating. I was just so upset. I couldn't calm myself down. I could not get myself under control. Just knowing what was about to happen and knowing, you know, facing reality, basically, that you've got your IV in, the, in your arm and you've signed your consent and this is real. This is happening. Yeah. Uh, and I just couldn't get myself together. Um, and then you wake up and you look down and your tummy's flat and you, there's just that hole, that gaping hole in your belly that used to hold life and now it doesn't. Uh, I still struggle with, with 
looking down and like not seeing my little bump anymore. Um, it actually like some like I pick out certain outfits just because I don't want to notice it. Um, it's just. I don't, I guess I don't feel like, um, there was a long time, well, now I do, but there was a long time, at least for two weeks, the days didn't get easier. Um, my boss, I was able to get two weeks off of work, which was also amazing. Uh, there's no way I could have could have worked um, during those first two weeks. I was, I was on autopilot. I, I was, I was just existing. I, I could barely hold a conversation. I was just in this catatonic state. Um, you know that, wow. You know this. It's done. It's over after two and a half years and thinking it was finally happening. It's done. Yeah. And I laid in bed a lot and I, I went into a very deep depression. Um, I'm not going to say that I'm completely out of it now because it's still pretty fresh and new, but, um, I've been going to counseling. Good. Um, which that's something else my husband took care of. Um, he scheduled me. So I got the news on a Wednesday, had my DNC on Friday. And he had me scheduled with a psychologist on Monday and then my counselor on Tuesday. <laughs> so he had like, everything lined up, um, which, you know, at the time, I'm just, I mean, you know, you're in such shock that you don't even, you're just doing what you have to do to get through. But looking back now on it, um, that was such an amazing thing that he did for me because it started the healing and the, like the, pro the grief process right away. I wasn't able to put it off. Good. Um, which is why I feel like I'm as good as I am right now. Okay. Um, uh, if we would have done this a week ago, I I wouldn't have been able to talk uh, without crying through the whole thing. Um, but I've been going to a lot of therapy sessions, counseling sessions. Um, I found a support group. A local support group um, for women who have been through baby loss, whether it be stillborn, miscarriage, you know, anything like that. Um, that's been extremely helpful. Um, I found your podcasts and some other podcasts, and I, I never, ever, ever thought that talking about it would be the most helpful. I never imagined that that would be what would help me heal the most. Um, and I'm not, I don't mean talking about it with my therapist. I mean talking about it to other women who understand. Yeah, who've been in the thick of it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's another reason that I just completely isolated myself because none of my friends, I don't know anyone that's been through this. Um, at least recently, you know, they've been through it maybe several years ago, but 
I just didn't feel I didn't give my friends a chance. I didn't feel like they understood. I didn't want to be around any of them because, you know, I just you don't understand what I'm going through. I don't I don't want to be around you. Like <laughs> well, and you don't you don't always have the energy to explain or try to make sure they don't feel uncomfortable. Exactly. And that's yeah. something that is was so hard for my husband to understand. Um you know, which I don't blame him for at all. It's, you know, it's natural, but he just kept telling me, like, you know, kind of pushing me, like, honey, you need to, if you can't get out, get out of the house and go out in public, like, hang out with, you know, hang out with some of your friends, invite some people over. And I, I tried it once and I, it was awkward. She didn't know what to say. She didn't know what to, it, it was just awkward lots of awkward silence because I'm obviously not in a great state of mind and I just it was exhausting um and so I just I stopped trying really um it's what it came down to two weeks in and I was I didn't know what else to do I just kept trying to do things that would help me pull myself out of this dark hole that I was in of of the loneliness and the emptiness and just the overwhelming sadness and I just I couldn't find it and I did find it eventually on social media which I'm not even a big social media person so it's really ironic that (laughs) it does uh, have some really (laughs) good uses uh, yeah, it's just, it kind of makes me chuckle because it's like I'm not really, like I barely use my Facebook or Instagram or anything and barely listen to podcasts and here I am and that that's what's helping me and pulling me out of this hole. So it's, it's, it's been eye-opening for sure. Um I mean, because I've, I mean, I've been through grief before. I've been through trauma before. My dad was killed by a drunk driver. So, you know, I've experienced heartache and sadness and anger. You know, I've been through this process before, but this is so different from that. And I have yet to feel the anger, um, which surprises me um, because I feel like it would have set in already. But I just, I haven't had the energy to yet. Um, I think I'm getting there, but I have realized that the more open I am, um, that the more people come forward and share their story with me. And so that's been healing. Um, I just, that's great. I mean, it, I just, you don't have to explain yourself (laughs) to these people on social media who have been there. Yeah. Mhm. So now what? Oh, that's a great question. Have you even let yourself go there? No, I haven't. Um The strangest thing uh, about all of this is that I mean, cuz there's no, there's no guidebook, you know, there's no there's no, you, you know, you just don't know what to do. Um, 
you don't know how to move forward. You don't know what to think, or at least in my experience, I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to feel. So I just kept myself numb, you know, so I couldn't, I didn't want to think about it or feel anything, but you know, that's not healthy and that's not going <laughs> to help you go through the grief process. And I'm finally letting some of my, like more emotions out um, to help me through the grieving process. But I, I can't let myself think about what's next. Um, we still have one embryo left. And the really the only thing that I have thought about it is I will wonder the rest of my life if we don't try it, you know, what if it would have took. But at, uh, at the same time, can I handle going through another miscarriage if, if that happens again? I, I don't, I don't know if I could do this again. Like this, this is the darkest and lowest place that I've ever been in my life. And I don't know if I could face that again. Right. It's terrifying. <laughs> um, yeah. Especially, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't get to. I don't get the option of just going home and, oh, just, just have sex again and try again and, you know, try to get pregnant again with timed intercourse and this, no, I don't get that option. I, for me to do this again requires six weeks of shots and, you know, two appointments twice a week and blood draws and ultrasounds and you know, it's a whole process and I don't, I just, I don't know if, I don't know if I could do this again. <laughs> yeah. And you don't so, have to decide yet, which is great. Yeah. I'm still working on finding hope. Um, that's been the hardest part for me is, is, fi is finding hope. And I, you know, I read, you know, all the, all of the groups that I've found on Instagram and, you know, that I follow now and I, I read, you know, their, their, their stories that are, you know, they're way worse than mine. They've been through seven miscarriages and they don't have any embryos after egg retrieval and they're so optimistic and positive. And I just read them and I just think to myself, how, how are you, how are you so positive? Because I'm still really struggling to find that right now and I, I'm, I'm still trying to get there and I know that I will um, but I don't feel like I can make any decisions as to what's next until I get there yeah I mean of course so, of course I just I, I I don't, I don't even know if there are statistics, you know, if you've had one miscarriage, does it make you more susceptible for another? Um, I haven't even really thought about that, but. There's a know, time I, and place for you to entertain that, but you're not in that space right now. And that is so okay. I really appreciate you um, allowing me to tell my story and giving me a voice um, to hopefully inspire other women. You are so welcome. Hey you, stay connected. Find us on Instagram at Managing Miscarriage 
on Facebook at Miscarriage Nonprofit, and don't forget to download the free e-guide on our website, managingmiscarriage.com. Please rate and review this podcast to help other women find us and consider sharing your story. Hang in there, mama.